and welcome to the Vineyard Church Springbrook podcast from right here in Alcoa, Tennessee. We post our Sunday messages here each week and the occasional special announcement or series. You can visit vineyardchurch.us and select Springbrook from the menu to learn more about us or to access our audio archive. You can also subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple, or Google Podcasts. And now, here's the episode. We have been lighting candles each week to draw our attention back to the lessons of Advent. Lighting candles is a simple but profound practice as it signifies light in the darkest places. We lit the candle of hope, reminding us our hope in the one to come. We lit the candle of peace, reminding us to imagine new ways of living in the peace of Jesus. And last week, we lit the candle of joy as a reminder that Jesus alone is the way to unimaginable and everlasting joy. And today on Christmas Eve, we will light two candles. We will light the candle of love, reminding us of the great love that the Father has for us, reminding us that his stance toward us is single and it is relentless. He loves us. And we also light the center candle called the Christ candle, symbolizing Jesus, the true light to the entire world. Jesus, the word that became flesh and moved into our neighborhood. Jesus. Hope of the world, Jesus, the Prince of Peace, and the most true joy, Jesus, the evidence of a love greater than we have ever known. Our scripture reading today comes from John 1, 1 through 14. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are... Reborn. Not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the Word became human and made His home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen His glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. This is the Gospel of Christ. God of surprising hope, peace, joy, and love, we come this evening to the manger, gazing lovingly on the child born to bring these things in a new way into the world. Open our hearts tonight as we hear the story anew. 
Help us to be guided by the light of Jesus Christ that we may truly feel the power of your love and bring that love with joy to all we meet. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Good job. I love them. Uh, Hi, how are you? Merry Christmas. It's so good to see you all. I tried to hug all of you on the way in, but um, it made a little bit of a bottleneck. So if I didn't get to you, day ain't over yet. Um, I, uh, I love today uh, because I love Christmas and I love being with you <laughs> at Christmas. Um, I know for a lot of you this week has been uh, absolutely bonkers, either with busy or grief. Uh, it's been a tough week for our community. Um, and so my hope is that for the next few minutes, or what we've already done and what we'll continue to do, um, will feel like a breath, like just a big, deep breath right in the middle of a very wild season. Um, and so I wonder, uh, as you sit here this morning, what your images are of Christmas. I feel like we all bring different stories and traditions and experiences of the Christmas season. Um, like, as you kind of like, if you were to close your eyes and think, like, what, what are my images of Christmas? Um, do you think about, like, maybe the way your house looked growing up? Maybe that was really special to you. Or, or um, you see twinkly lights or trees or cookies or something, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's a little more commercial. Maybe when you think of Christmas, you think of something um, more like uh, Santa or elves or Rudolph or angels or Frosty the Snowman or the Coca-Cola bear uh, or something like that. Or maybe like me, your Christmas images are more cinematic in nature. Um, for me, uh, Christmas feels like the Grinch and Kevin McAllister and Herbie the Elf and George Bailey and Red Rider BB guns and um, a man in a tiny turtleneck with a glass uh, Christmas mug that looks like reindeer ears promising to buy his cousin Clark something real nice. Um, or maybe uh, with all of the pictures that fill your mind during the season, you also picture a nativity scene, uh, a, a picture, uh, maybe as you picture it, it's, it's Linus reading the story of Luke chapter two, which is totally allowed. I think that's a very holy reading. Um, or, or maybe you picture a stage full of kids wearing burlap and a super Batman angel girl, uh, as we had a couple of weeks ago here in our host of angels. Um, or uh, maybe it's like a nativity scene that you have at your house or you saw at your grandmother's house growing up or, or something like that. Or maybe it's a little bit something like this. Taylor, will you throw the slide up here? I'm bringing back an oldie but a goodie uh, these days um, for our time together um, because there are a few things that I love more in this world and in this season than making fun of nativity Christmas cards. It is, the, it is such a joy to me. You guys don't send me nativity Christmas cards anymore, maybe because I make fun of them too much, but that is a travesty. I want you to send more so that together we can laugh at the card you sent out. And if this was the card you sent out, I'm so sorry for what I'm about to do to it. Um, this is an artist's depiction of what the Kessler and Reeves crew just read to us this morning of, of the very first Christmas morning where the word became flesh and moved into our world. Um, and we have this beautiful holy family pictured here. Uh, we have Mary and Joseph and Jesus, and they are all smiling. And as usual, they're white. Um, 
Jesus, he's, uh, this is impressive to me in the picture. Jesus is a smiling toddler on his very first day. Also, um, the first Middle Eastern baby born with blonde hair, which I find to be fantastic. It's a miracle. A Christmas miracle. Um, I also appreciate that after traveling so many miles to get to Bethlehem um, and a whole night of birthing a baby, uh, Mary and Jesus somehow both uh, have blush applied to their cheeks. Uh, like the son of God has arrived and with him came hair and makeup. Um, Joseph in the picture, Joseph's hair is perfectly coiffed. Is coiffed, that feels, is that the right word? Yeah, it's, you know, it's like fluffy. It, it, the, I like the, um, the, <laughs> the cowl to the side that had a curling iron, you know. I just, I super appreciate that. Um, and I just, I love how calm and serene the scene is. It's just like an overly peaceful uh, scene. I, I've had three children. That was not my experience of birth, um, but maybe it was Mary's, you know, it, just this peaceful, serene and, and I think it's worth noting within this peaceful serenity um, what's happening in the background. Like, do these people not know that there are heads floating toward them? Like, at them. Maybe this is the scene in the scary movie, you know, where the main character is blissfully unaware of what's coming up behind them, you know? I, I feel like that's what's happening uh, here. Are, uh, are these angels? Are they shepherds flying on angel wings, heads only? Um, why do they have lipstick on? Uh, every time angels are brought up in the scriptures, the angel comes and then they say something about do not be afraid. Is this why? <laughs> like I am very pro individual expression and art, but like is this the best we can do on angels? Just wing heads coming at us? But like other than those things, this is a really sweet and beautiful picture of this season, right? I mean, a pretty inaccurate picture, but a beautifully inaccurate picture of probably what the first uh, day of Jesus's life looked like. I hope this is not a surprise to anyone here. This is not an actual photograph of the event. Uh, we don't have any. And again, there weren't blow dryers in the first century or blonde people having babies in the Middle East. And I do think that angels have bodies. I'm not 100% sure, um, but I'm like 95. Um, but in reality, I think um, more than this scene, Jesus uh, was born into far more chaos than this picture shows us. Like the scene that we see here actually in real life probably happened in something more like an outhouse or a cave. Uh, uh, if there was no room for Jesus in the end, then that means he ended up in a place not for humans, but for animals or for storage or for something like that. Um, and there's no reason for us to assume that Jesus was born in any way that's different from the way all of us were born. Um, meaning that he was born with tears and pain and messy and difficult. His parents, uh, unlike this photo, weren't people who were perfectly put together, but likely teenagers who had no idea what they were doing, exhausted from traveling, terrified and excited about what his birth would mean. Uh, Jesus does have visitors that come to him in the gospel, um, less behind them from the sky, um, but, uh, but they, they weren't floating heads necessarily, but angels, or but shepherds, uh, she shepherds on the second shift, 
the, the lowest of the low. You were only a shepherd in the first century if you couldn't do anything else. Or you had been disqualified from doing anything else. You couldn't pass a background check to do anything else. This is who shepherds were. Uh, it's hard to picture the nativity, I think, for us because it is so upside down from every picture we've ever seen of it. And I get it. Nobody wants to send out a Christmas card with a picture of an outhouse on the front filled with sweaty, scared parents and their illegitimate child visited by hooligans and criminals and their sheep. But if someone can make that with AI, please send it to me next year. But, but I do think that there is something so good about us taking a pause uh, on Christmas Eve to look at the true story of the night of Christmas. Of the terrified teenagers who ride into town and realize that everyone had made a reservation except for them. Uh, they have nowhere to go. And that's a bit of foreshadowing because Jesus from his first breath to his last breath, uh, his life is filled with spaces that don't have room for him. I think it's good for us to look at the true story um, of the birth in a barn, messy and painful. The true story of angels who, again, by every scriptural account, are as terrifying as they are magnificent. Maybe this picture is accurate. Uh, singing the birth announcement of the one true king in a, in a field filled with losers and outcasts and nobody saying, you're the first ones to know this. But the king is here, Jesus is here, the Emmanuel, God with us. He has come to be with us, all of us. And we're telling you first. No one tells you anything, but we're telling you first. Uh, the birth of Jesus, it's not this, this big, impressive scene. It's a, it's a small one. It's an upside down one. It's, it's an unexpected one at every turn. Uh, it's not the story of everything in its place exactly where it should be, but instead a story of a prince of peace who was born into the chaos of obscurity, celebrated by a heavenly host and humble hooligans. Jesus, the king, came into our world not in a palace filled with horses or a court of royals, but as a baby into the arms of a woman who in her own self-description calls herself the lowly servant. Shocked to be seen and noticed and called out by her God. Uh, I've said this before, but it still gives me pause. Uh, the birth of Jesus, I think, is truly a marketing nightmare. Like, no one would ever advise God whose plan it was to save the entire world. No one ever would tell him in a pitch meeting for the birth of Jesus. No one's going to be like, let's make, can we make it smaller? You know, that's no pitch meeting ever. Like, um, no one's like, ooh, we could have him born in an inn. And someone else is like, ooh, or not. Let's, let, let's move that outside. Like, uh, or like kings, we could have kings. They could come and visit him. Like people with power could come and visit him and legitimize this birth. And then someone in the corner is like, no, 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 let's wait on that. We'll do that in a few years. But let's bring shepherds. That's who we want. Can they pass a background check? No, not at all. Like, no one is, is, is pitching this idea. No one ever would advise this. But this is what God does. He comes into our world so small. And he comes into our world so, so tiny, so upside down, so unexpected that it almost went unnoticed. It almost went completely unnoticed. And I, I think this matters so much. Because when we set the scene correctly... 
I think it opens us up to being surprised by the idea that that God didn't have to do anything to make himself bigger so that we would know how loved we are. Uh, Instead, he made himself small in order to come live with us in our actual lives, how they actually are in our chaos, in our confusion, in our tears and our feelings and our fears that there's not enough room. To show how much he loves us, God doesn't from up in heaven shout it at us. Instead, he moves in with us. Jesus had access to every big and grand and impressive thing that had ever existed in all of time. And instead of those things to announce himself, he chose birth. He chose nearness. He chose incarnation, becoming human. He chose nearness. He chose withness. For after all, he is the Emmanuel, a God who is marked by his nearness to people, not his distance away from them. And to me, this is very good news for a weary world this Christmas. For many of you, it has been a heck of a year. Beautiful and terrible things have happened to you this year. And for a lot of you, it's been a heck of a week. Beautiful and terrible things have happened to you and people you love this week. It is a weary and wonderful world. And it was a weary and wonderful and beautiful beautiful and complicated world that Jesus was born into, that he came to live in. God has come near to us. Of course he has. He did not stay in the sky or in the heavens shouting down at us to get our act together. He came to live with us, to be born into our world, to dwell with us and remind us that we are his people. Uh, Henry Nowen, who is a writer who passed away years ago, and if you followed with us on Lectio 365 this month, he's been like a good, faithful prayer companion of ours. Uh, Henry Nowen says this, He says, God came to us because he wanted us, he wanted to join us on the road to listen to our story and to help us realize that we are not walking in circles, but moving toward the house of peace and joy. This is the great mystery of Christmas that continues to give us comfort and consolation. We are not alone on our journey. The God of love who gave us life sent his only son to be with us at all times. And in all places, so that we never have to feel lost in our struggles, but can always trust that he walks with us. I think this means that we are not alone in all of the joy and all of the sparkles and all of the majestic and magic and delight of this season. And I hope that that the next few days are filled with those things for you. I hope they are filled with delicious and hilarious and warm and kind. He is a God of love and he dwells within the goodness of Christmas, the goodness of the season. His love infuses delight into our world. He can be found there. And in the same breath, uh, we're also, uh, in the same way we're not alone in the holly and jolly, we're also uh, not alone in the antithesis of those things. Because he's a God who's not just near in joy and delight, but, but near in the lonely and the desperate and the grief and the longing and the despair and the disillusionment that is equally as present in this season. It's a very both and, right? God is with us 
That's not a temporary thing. That's not a moody thing. His love inhabits not just delight, but also grief, not just joy, but also longing. Uh, I think that the true picture of the birth of Jesus tells us this. Uh, God is a God who honors reality. He honors what is, and he enters into that. God is a God who honors the reality of what it means to be human, so much so that he enters into it. God is the God who honors the reality of our story so much so that he enters into it. God did not make himself bigger to show you how deep and wide and long and wild his love is for you. Instead, he made himself small and offered himself. Philippians 2 says uh, that Jesus set aside all majesty and made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant. That he became human and stayed human in order to obey God in life and death in order to save all of us. Uh, The proof of God's love is this. He sent his son as a baby into the world. And he was so small that the world almost didn't recognize him. But yet he has made his home among us. And he was full of all of the things of God. Love and faithfulness. This was God's word for this world, Jesus. He is the perfect theology of his father. Uh, Brennan Manning says it like this. The God of Jesus Christ is our absolute future. Such is the deeply hopeful character of this sacred season. By God's free doing in Bethlehem, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Light and life and love are all on our side. This is the good news of Christmas that no matter uh, how you are or who you are or where you are, what scars you're healing from or ones that are yet to come, uh, God loves you and he's for you and he's chasing after you and he will not give up on you. So here's my question for you this Christmas Eve. What would it look like for us to let God do what he did, to let God dwell with us? Like, what would it look like for us to let God do what he's done and be who he is? I think the challenge for some of us might be to believe in God's nearness, uh, to, to, to believe that he isn't far away, uh, very uninterested in the things of our lives and the things of our world, but, but to allow him to be what he is, which is near and with us. And then I think for others of us, maybe the challenge isn't believing that. Maybe we're okay with God being near. But uh, it's allowing it to be true. Allowing God to be who he wants to be when he's near. To uh, be near to us how we actually are in our actual pains, our actual delights, our actual joys, our actual sorrows. Uh, Henry now and again, he says, Christmas is a renewed invitation not to be afraid to let him whose love is greater than our own minds and hearts can comprehend be our companion. So what would it look like? What would it look like for you to allow God to be what he is near to you as you are over the next few days? So here's what I want to do. We have a lot of kids in the room, so we're going to do this very quickly just for a minute. Um, But uh, we just believe so much in taking a pause 
And so we're going to take one minute. There'll be a couple of verses on the screen. And I just want to invite you to wrestle with that question. What would it look like for you to allow God to be near? And as you do that, to allow yourself to be who you really are and allow him to be who he really is. So I'm just going to pray and bless it. We'll take just a minute and then we'll come to the table together. So God, we love you. And we thank you for your presence. We thank you that you came to a barn in Bethlehem in the same way you come to a cafeteria in Blount County. And I just ask that you would inhabit this room and inhabit this place. And would you give us the imagination to dare to ask the question, what does it look like for me for the next few days to allow you to be near What does it look like for me to allow you to see me as I actually am, my story as it actually is? What does it look like to be loved by you? What does it look like to be on your side? What does it look like to be chased after you, by you? In your name we pray, amen.